Welcome to Postwave. You're here with Eric and Trevor. And since today is our 50th episode, we're going to do kind of a retrospective looking back at the different topics we've talked about and talking about if our opinions have changed on anything and also just kind of reflecting on how it's been doing a podcast for almost a year at this point. Yeah. Wow. Geez. Yeah. <laughs> what, what that's been like for both of us and if we've like learned anything about it or about ourselves or, or anything like that. slightly beyond our wheelhouse if we say anything that's factually incorrect or even if you just disagree with us we really love if you send us an email at postwavepodcast at gmail.com and uh let us know so shoot so we've been doing this for like a year now is it has it has it been literally a year now because i know we skipped one or two episodes yeah i think it has because i remember when I, i went to stay at my dad's house for a little bit around this time last year because of covid concerns and stuff and I remember we were already recording before I left on like the 7th or the 8th. So mm. I remember, yeah, we definitely started recording before that, but I don't think we were posting episodes until August or so. Yeah, that's true. We recorded like six or seven episodes before we started posting just to have a, a backup. And there were a couple episodes that we meant to post, but we didn't. We lost the edits or something like that. So yeah, we've definitely been going for more than a year. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Yeah, I mean, I'll just start right off by saying how much I appreciate having this like weekly or, you know, bi-weekly thing, just this regular thing where we can meet and and talk about things and you know, it stimulate our minds, you know, it's it's something that is really invaluable. Totally, totally. Yeah, and there there's no I mean, you know, you you, you can always talk with your friends about stuff when you're you're out or whatever, especially close friends. But, you know, it's it's hard to just randomly bring up like the simulation hypothesis or quantum mechanics or AI or whatever. Mm. It's really nice to have an excuse to talk about just that with someone for an hour to two hours or something like that. Yeah, have it be a little bit more focused, uh, s- s- focusing on, an, on one topic. and But then on the flip side of that, I think one of the things that I really appreciate most about our podcast is that the way that we incorporate all these sort of grander philosophical themes that, you know, we're not doing it on purpose. It's just that these things just keep cropping back up in all these different particular contexts. And it's really, really cool to see how pervasive those ideas and how they relate to all these different interesting things. Yeah, yeah, totally. And even even now, I you know, are are we doing it on purpose? Do we do anything on purpose? <laughs> <laughs> well, if panpsychism is true. <laughs> uh, so yeah, and maybe we'll, we'll get into this a little bit later. But I also think podcasts are, are fulfilling, or or can fulfill a role in society that's that's pretty unique as a, as a form of media. And I think they're kind of not quite looked down upon, but it's it's I mean it's a very niche thing, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think I think the impression is that you know most people who listen to podcasts are, are kind of nerds in general, and <laughs> it's definitely you know it's definitely not a, a very common thing to do I think in general. But mm. I mean, and, you know, there, there's lots of different 
kind of sectors of, of podcasting. So of course, you know, different people listen to certain kinds of things. There's, you know, there's scripted versus unscripted, which is kind of, you know, we're, we're doing more of like an unscripted thing, mm-hmm. even though we have, we have stuff we want to talk about, but I think, yeah, there is something about one-on-one conversation over an hour or more. That's, that's, I think really powerful in, in working out ideas and, and mm-hmm. discussing and debating things. Yeah. If you, if you look back historically, like in the enlightenment, in the Renaissance and any time where ideas are happening, it's, seems to me characterized by that people are talking about the ideas you know it's not in isolation you can't formulate and flesh out ideas like this on your own yeah yeah you yeah you really need i mean you you can flesh them out and formulate them on your own but you're it's very likely you're gonna you know kind of go off like veer off in some direction that in retrospect when someone like criticizes you or or offers like a critique then it might be very obvious to you that you went off in that kind of, uh, you know, maybe not wrong direction, but kind of a, a yeah, wrong wrong direction. Sure. And and Eddie maybe in in the Great River of, of ideas, you're just getting caught in a little little loop on the side. Yeah, yeah, that's mm. yeah. yeah. And it's really so valuable to have like other people to bounce ideas off, like you're just saying. Mm-hmm. And that's that's something I, I really appreciate as well because you know prior to this episode, I had been keeping a journal. And most of the stuff that I focused on in the journal was, you know, like abstract philosophical ideas that I didn't know how to share with anyone. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like I could share with anyone. And to me, they seemed, a lot of them seemed very outlandish, very incomprehensible to anyone except for me, just because I'd never had the experience of talking about them with other people. And so it's been so valuable to able to air that and see what parts of it uh maybe don't stand up to critique but also what parts of it do what parts of it are ideas that other people are having and exploring and really curious and genuine about right right yeah they're i mean yeah what what are you going to do like post a a long essay on your website or make a (laughs) like a youtube video on your own right there you know you can you can do that stuff and people have been successful doing that on their own but there's again there's something about talking to someone else about it that helps flush it out because that person can say what they don't understand and ask you to clarify things. Absolutely. I think that there's something as well about the act of speaking the word that makes you formulate it down to the precise, like maybe you have like this abstract notion that you feel like you kind of get it, but until you examine it to the point where you can communicate it to another person, maybe you don't really have as complete an understanding as you think you do. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think that, I think that's very true. Because when you're you're explaining it to someone, you have to have almost instant access to the information you need, right? Yeah, and and all all of the details, all of the particulars. Mm-hmm. So yeah, one of the strengths I think podcasting as a medium has is the potential to, to change people's minds. And so I I kind of wanted to ask you if you've changed your mind on anything that we've discussed over the past no. year. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> why uh, why am I, I not I, surprised? <laughs> I'm I'm always right. So. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I definitely, definitely feel like I've at least now have a deeper, more nuanced understanding of the concept of free will. I think that's the the biggest change for me. Mm-hmm. That's cool. It's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes me makes me glad to hear. And you know, not necessarily that I've ab- abandoned any of my previous notions. It's just that I I now have a, a clearer idea of what those notions are. Interesting. Interesting. 
yeah, especially a topic like that, they can get kind of so so in your head and and nebulous it's really good to have someone have a concrete conversation about it with someone definitely you ever think about how so you, you know you know uh going right off the off 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 the tra- tracks here post-wave style uh you know how in quantum mechanics um <laughs> you have particles that become entangled with each, with each other which is just a way of saying that they exist within uh a shared world state mm-hmm. you know a bunch of particles that are uh in the same relation to each other they interact with each other are are basically like in a world together and that's what the world is is just a really shit ton of those particles that are agreeing to be uh in relation to each other right yeah yeah and there's this 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 concept called emergence which is basically that that the the physical world as we see it is emergent from from that quantum reality and that you can mm-hmm. understand you can basically understand a lot of what's going on in our everyday lives in terms of just newtonian physics right you don't need to worry about relativity or quantum mechanics it's mm-hmm. it's it's yeah those but even though those are kind of kind of the things that are underlying what's actually happening you don't need access to that to that like root layer to to understand things at a certain level yeah totally um and in formulating ideas it kind of seems as though each individual each person thinking is in their own isolated world state where the notions that they're passing around are not cohering to anything in the outside world except for what you're perceiving and uh because of that you can get like we said into some rabbit holes into some uh curly cues and backwaters but you could also get to some really interesting insights about what it is to exist um but then it feels directly analogous to me or maybe even this is on a certain level literally what's happening that when when you share those ideas with another person it is like those two subjective perspectives uh, finding common ground and those ideas which persist as true are the ones that are true from both individuals perspectives yeah yeah I think that's really important because it, it, you know today it can really seem like we have a bunch of irreconcilable differences but there is always some overlap I believe between two people's sets of opinions no matter how small it is you know in general yeah, for sure <laughs> For sure, yeah, and that can tell us about things about our perspectives that we don't share with other people, and things that we do. Yeah, yeah, and then also, of course, to to hit another, uh, <laughs> whatever you'd call it, post-wave meme language is imperfect, right? So, in mm. in trying to articulate your ideas, you're going to use some language that the other person might see as like ambiguous or contradictory or something or or unclear. And then it, it kind of forces you to examine what you think what you said actually means and maybe come up with a different way of phrasing it, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So the one thing I've definitely changed my mind on and and the <laughs> the the things that have kind of kept me up at night have been the 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 episodes we d- we've done on the intellectual dark web, all mm-hmm. that stuff. So yeah, Jordan Peterson, Sam Harris. I think we did a, a couple just on on the the group in general, and yeah, j- just to recap with the intellectual dark web or, or the IDW 
is it's just kind of this loose knit group of of people who define themselves as public intellectuals and are some of them are are college professors or former former college professors uh like you know brett weinstein and and uh jordan peterson and so, some of them are just outside of academia entirely like sam harris although he has a phd and, and I, th- I think it's also fair at this point to include uh these these what people would call like black heterodox intellectuals like glenn lowry and john mcwhorter and, and coleman hughes in that in that group because they, they kind of you know they have their own podcasts and they they run in all the same circles and talk to, to a lot of the same people so i think i would definitely include them within that group although it's yeah, you know, none of it's really official. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so going into that series of episodes, I was I was initially tentative because the uh, topic of conversation is different from basically everything else we've done. It's far more political than uh, any of the any of the other things we've talked about, and to me, that was uh, a step into unfamiliar territory. And furthermore, it was kind of interesting because these people have very very strong opinions about these ideas which uh, we we have discussed to some extent the merits and shortfallings of their ideas but uh, they care so really deeply about it and they they were just things that i felt like i really didn't have much of an opinion on going into or or much of an interest at first but then getting involved, it, I don't know, it kind of sucked me in. It was like I, I, I got, uh, I responded to their caring about these ideas and felt as though I cared about them myself. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really interesting to hear. I don't, I don't think I, I ever really heard, heard you say say that. Yeah, I think I think we have to be, yeah, we, we have to be careful with this stuff because it is the kind of thing that you can get sucked into by just kind of going down a YouTube rabbit hole, right? Mm-hmm. where you know youtube can show you some some kind of you know starting out with kind of center left stuff and then it kind of you know gets to be more center right that kind of thing and i think you know pe- people like us who are you know young white dudes in their 20s are are some of the most i think susceptible people to want to to buy into this whole idw thing um like that is that is largely their audience from what i understand um mm-hmm. like gen- generally white and male generally like younger but yeah that doesn't make, that doesn't make their arguments untrue i, I think we, just, we have to you know proceed with caution yeah kind definitely of, yeah examine our own biases and, you know just like everyone always should Mm -hmm. and all in all i felt it was very valuable for me to to ask those hard questions the uncomfortable questions that have you know implications as to like my own identity like what kind of a person i am to to be embracing these ideas and you know it was super super valuable to explore that on the other hand it seems like i don't know it's just uh felt like stepping in into hot water into territory where other people's perspectives seem more important than my own as these topics relate more heavily to other people yeah yeah totally so yeah i mean let's just mention kind of explicitly that a lot of the intellectual dark web stuff centers around kind of a a a reaction to what what they would call identity politics but i would probably just call you know social justice and and kind of just pressing back against what they see as kind of the excesses there. Although even you know most of them acknowledge that there there are certainly certainly problems that need to be solved with you know race and gender and and discrimination based on those and that kind of thing. So that that's kind of, that's kind of the territory that a lot of these these people will, will uh, tackle. And yeah, like like you said, 
you know, the, these issues. So, for example, you know, the issue of police brutality that obviously doesn't affect us nearly as much as it does black folks, right? And so, I, I do, I do, yeah, I, I do believe that it is important to listen to, you know, as many different perspectives as you can, right? And because mm. you will never fully understand what it's like to be someone else who's who who doesn't have the same advantages as you, right? But mm. I think, I mean, yeah, the, the question I just, I have kept struggling with for the past year is, okay, well, who, who that had, you know, which of the people in these groups should you listen to, right? And so, so I already, I already mentioned John Werder and, and Coleman Hughes and Glenn, Glenn Lowry, who are kind of the face of this black heterodox intellectual movement that uh, is, is, like I said, kind of pushing against, back against some of the excesses of, of social justice as they see it. And yeah, my, my question is always kind of, you know, okay, what if personally I feel something click when I hear these people talk, right? Like something makes sense to me and it's, they're making really good arguments and it, I can see the problems that they're pointing out that they have, you know, real, real consequences on, on the way politics are progressing in this country and the way in general, it's, you know, it's more polarized and people are getting pushed to the extremes and that kind of thing. And so, yeah, what, what do you do if you've listened as much as you can to, to, you know, multiple perspectives, including ones that are more aligned with, with what the mainstream wisdom is. And you still at a gut level kind of believe the heterodox stuff more, you know? Mm -hmm. And I feel like the, the implication a lot of the times is if you don't agree with the mainstream consensus on these, these, uh, yeah, let's just take police brutality. Cause I think that's the, I think, I think it's one of the defining issues of our times for sure. I mean, I don't, I think a lot of people would agree with that. Yeah. I, I, so I, so I think the, the, the kind of narrative is that if you don't agree with the mainstream perspective on these things, then you just need to listen more, right? You need to learn more. You need to educate yourself. You need to examine your own privilege, mm. which I agree we should all be doing, right? I agree right. that, you know, any, any answer you come to has to start with those things, but mm. I, I don't think it's necessarily true that just it's, it's kind of making that argument that if, if you are against the mainstream consensus that you need to listen more, that's kind of assuming that the mainstream consensus is right. Right. Um, which of course, if you're arguing for the mainstream consensus, then of course you believe it's right. So, <laughs> so yeah. it, it gets kind of circular and yeah. And of course, you know, the, the, the one of the first criticisms people will make about, about Lowry and Hughes and, and McWhorter is that, you know, Lowry and McWhorter are, are professors at Brown and Columbia universities respectively. So they're, you know, they're kind of older. So they're like old, older college professors. And Coleman Hughes is, I think, just a little younger than me. I'm, I'm 25. I think maybe like 23 or 24, but, you know, very recent graduate from Columbia and has, has made, been making a pretty big name for himself. But so they'll, they'll say things like that, you know, and, and he had a pretty, he, you know, he grew up in a diverse community, but it was still, you know, fairly affluent. And so people make that argument that, that these people don't really have the lived experience to, to be talking about these issues mm. or that they're, they are, you know, Glenn, Glenn Lowry is a economics professor. John McWhorter is a linguistics professor. Coleman Hughes studied philosophy, right? So none of them are took like African-American studies or U.S. history. I mean, majored by that. I mean, like majored in those or got a degree in those, right? And I think, you know, that, that argument does 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 have some weight. But I, I think and, and we'll, we'll post, I, I think so. I think the our role here, I think, should just be pointing people to those those three guys. And of course, they're not the only ones the only black folks making these arguments, but I think um, they're kind of the most prominent. And uh, totally. so, yeah, if, if, and I would encourage anyone who, no matter your, your opinions to, to at least 
give some of their their speaking and writing a chance because if nothing else they are making arguments very uh they're, they're making like the best possible case for these arguments that a lot of people probably have in their heads but are afraid to to say right they're like putting it in the most eloquent ways and and you know with with all the caveats that are necessary in the right places that kind of thing right mm. and, and they're able to you know push back against criticisms that kind of thing mm. and so I, I you know i even if they end up being wrong which i'm open to the possibility of i think they're still doing a service to the conversation and articulating these these opinions yeah absolutely and that's one of the things that i i do appreciate about all of these people in the so-called intellectual dark web that you know even if some of their ideas are wrong they're contributing to a conversation and yeah. uh, and but it's again it's like a lot of these top topics are things that i feel probably don't affect me directly and i i i of course they will to some extent in the in in the way that they affect culture and the way people discuss things and like inclusiveness you know what what is acceptable who is acceptable what ideas are acceptable to have that's all like definitely relevant to everyone but at the same time it feels to me there's not a huge impact directly on my life for any of these concepts that they explore and so my tendency because it's an uncomfortable conversation is to sort of not tune in you know just to not think about the issues at all and it's a balance because on on one hand you don't want to bury your head in the sand you don't want to silence individuals who are sharing ideas that are important for them and have direct impact on them but on, on the other hand it's like we're all just living our own lives you know yeah, yeah, and of, and of course, you know that that was my trepidation talking about these things as well. Yeah, I mean, there, there are definitely like reputational costs potentially to to talking about these things, right? And mm. the, the odds that you're going to change anyone's mind are, is very low if if we're being realistic, right? Yeah. But I mean, I think I think my my main motivation for wanting to talk about these things is that you know being being kind of a podcast nerd for for three or four years at this point, I you know I, I have a lot of these ideas kind of bouncing around in my head, and mm. I have no almost no outlet for them ex- except for maybe talking to like maybe a couple people about them, right? But mm-hmm. in terms of like having a really kind of deep conversation with someone where we both read before we talk right that mm. that is just yeah that, that that can't really happen anywhere else you know yeah yeah and i think for me the biggest the biggest gain from having talked about these things is that not not at all that the way that the ideas affect my life but just the feeling the knowledge that should i come in contact with ideas that are in the mainstream that are agreed upon in a community that I disagree with, that I feel reasonably more confident now that I won't necessarily conform to those ideas, uh, to I won't allow them to change who I am just uh, just because everyone else believes them too. Yeah, I think I think that's good, and yeah, like I said, I think everyone, even if they're they're pretty sure of, sure of their opinions, should at least expose themselves to to these 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 kind of different thinkers because it. If, yeah, it'll it'll make you it'll make you kind of examine your own beliefs, and if it doesn't change your mind, it'll make you kind of more aware of what the the arguments against your position are and, and how to how to kind of uh, push back at them, right? Which I think mm-hmm. is valuable. Definitely. Yeah. So yeah. So 
I, I definitely kind of changed my opinion about about the intellectual intellectual dark web in, in general over over the past you know we released the first episode in January I think on that stuff mm. and so yeah just reflecting on things over these past six months or so since we released our first intellectual dark web episode I think I think getting back into things and seeing people again has just made me realize that the, the yeah there, there's just there's just you know things things we shouldn't talk about just because the 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 damage to people you know we know and and the you know the chances of that would be high and the chance of changing anyone's mind would be low right mm. so i guess i i understand and agree with your your notion that there are some ideas that maybe are best left not vocalized mm-hmm. um and very much in relation to this and and i think that goes in line with my own instinct to pull away from certain ideas like this like while it was interesting to to talk about them in hindsight it's maybe uh like if i were gonna choose to talk about something it would be something else yeah yeah and i i felt actually touching back again on your idea that the coming out of isolation has affected the way we think about ideas you know so trevor you know that i have a slightly different um stance than the mainstream in regard to uh the covid uh safety precautions and you know we did the whole episode about like the the uh costs associated with social isolation and how they could from a certain perspective be seen to outweigh the actual costs of people suffering and dying from the disease. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I still, I still feel that way, but I've found it incredibly, uh, I guess more graceful in general to when, when people share a contradictory idea in public or amid friends I'll, I, I usually won't contradict it. I won't I won't speak up with my idea. I will just nod, smile and uh, and move on to the next topic, you know? Yeah, yeah, I, I, and I, I'm definitely sympathetic to that. And I, I do think though that that like I kind of mentioned earlier, I think podcasts are, are have the potential to fulfill a role in the public dialogue that maybe people don't give them credit for because, like you said, our tendency when we're just hanging out with friends is to not bring up any of this controversial stuff, right? Yeah. Like who wants to who wants to be the the person that just you know bums everyone out or mm-hmm. makes everyone feel angry or uncomfortable by by talking about any of this stuff, right? Or, mm-hmm. or pushing back as, against what other people are saying, and so, so basically the only venue in which people are talking to each other about these things in general is on social media, right? And what would you say? I mean, I, you know, obviously I don't know how many other people are having in-person conversa- conversations about this stuff. I'm sure, you yeah. know, it's, it's, you know, it's not like people aren't having conversations about it, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I, th- I think your instinct is right. That definitely these are things that people feel more comfortable spouting off into the void of social media rather than, you know, it's just something that doesn't come up in person. Yeah, but I yeah, I, I do take issue with the word the word comfortable there though, because there's an incredible incentive on social media to not say anything that's against the, the mainstream consensus as well, right? Because you're gonna get dogpiled. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess that's a thing. That's not something I've ever experienced. And and it seems to me like on the other hand, people say things that to other groups of people would be wildly controversial all over the internet especially in social media and it works out because 
the algorithms basically filter out so that only like-minded people will see those ideas shared well maybe i don't know i mean sometimes it just works with with you know in in uh post interaction right mm-hmm. so like if more people are commenting or sharing a uh a, a certain post or whatever of course more people are going to see it right and mm-hmm. I, I think it is and you, you do have to distinguish between you know making a post on your personal facebook page that your friends are going to see versus posting something on twitter that potentially anyone could see and and mm. and that kind of thing so i think i think it's slightly different yeah i mean i i've never really had any experience with twitter personally so i, I can't speak to that yeah i mean i don't i don't i haven't really either and i've never you know i've never had like a dogpiling experience mm-hmm. and it, I, it I definitely just... seems to me that like it's pretty common Every once in a while, I'll see like someone shares a political idea on Facebook that is vastly different from like my and their friend groups, and it it'll like it'll be like silent, like no one will comment, no one will like. It'll just be like ignored, and because of uh, that, I think then the algorithm says, "Okay, I won't show that kind of content to these people." Yeah, maybe so. Maybe maybe people are getting better about that, about just kind of accepting that the you're only going to help people spread their ideas by commenting and and reacting right Mm -hmm. yeah maybe the best thing to do is just to not engage at all Uh uh-huh or or else it's like that like really awkward sort of energy of just like uh politely ignoring someone who's being rude (laughs) (laughs) yeah if you're enjoying what you're listening to so far and you want to support us somehow there's lots of ways you can do that you can go follow us on Facebook or Instagram or visit us online at postwavepodcast.com or send us a nice email at postwavepodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on your podcasting platform of choice. We're on pretty much everyone out there. Give us a nice review if you're on a platform that supports that or a five-star rating. Thanks for listening. What else did you want to talk about? I'm just scanning through our list of episodes that we released over the last year. Oh yeah, so I guess we released our first episodes on literally on August first last year. So Oh wow. So yeah, we're like pretty close. <laughs> yeah. I mean it makes sense. Uh wait, how because we took like two or three weeks off for Christmas, right? I think we took like one week off maybe two i think we took off two because the the insurrection happened and then we recorded like an emergency episode after that okay and then uh i know we lost like the files for a couple of episodes yeah so that would have uh put it closer to the mark as well yeah but i guess i'm saying how how are we to 50 if if it seems like we should be way more behind on at this point in the year but i don't know hmm Anyway, yeah, because we because we had the uh, the back stock on on August first, we already right. had like eight episodes. I don't know. I mean, I don't know that there's a whole lot more to say on this. We're coming up 
kind of to an hour yeah um <clears throat> i guess i mean uh, maybe it's this is another episode or like several episodes um but i feel like despite all this going on about this intellectual dark web stuff we've been doing i've i've kind of not stated my like more radical leftist <laughs> beliefs and i don't know i don't know if that's i mean we'll we'll probably end up doing an episode or, or two or three on some of these but yeah, it would be interesting I mean, I, at some point i'm still i still uh do feel the drive to to shy away from the more political side of things yeah but I, I, yeah it, it's a valuable thing to to explore those ideas yeah in moderation <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i, I could just I mean, it's going to take me like a minute to go down the list. Oh, yeah, go for it. Okay. Okay. So in a, in a perfect world, this is what I, you know, this is what I believe should happen. I believe our constitution needs to be rewritten because there's no way a bunch of white dudes 200, 300 years ago could foresee anything like the society we're living in right now. You know, not not even not even close. And I think the idea that they were some kind of all-knowing gods that foresaw made this like perfect thing and that, you know, could survive anything. I think I think that's... That's misguided. There, there are some parts that are good, but I, you know, Second Amendment should be either vastly changed or just revoked entirely. The Supreme Court should be altered because it's kind of a silly institution that it's just kind of arbitrary, and it, it, the, the, you know, the, the when certain justices die is kind of arbitrary, right? And so it's just left up to chance that a president can give, you know, maybe like happened with Trump, you know, three three Supreme Court justices in one term, just out of out of kind of the luck of the draw, and that they're appointed for life. There's this incentive to to pick, you know, younger and younger just to have they have more time on the court, right? And then you know, get, getting rid of gerrymandering and, and decriminalizing all drugs, and along with that, mass getting rid of mass incarceration, I think would be the other things. So mm -hmm. I'm I'm all for radical change on on those fronts definitely and i think radical change in general but it, it depends depends on the 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 context so that's yeah. that's that's all to say that take take any uh idw stuff with a grain of salt yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah maybe we tie it back up starting to talk more just about the podcast in general over the last year and yeah yeah, I mean, I definitely feel like it's it's made me much, much less afraid of public speaking, although I, I've definitely mm. gotten less afraid of it, like, continually for the, you know, ever since I've I've kind of started doing it for, for I've, I had to do it in, in school a lot as a, as a music composition major, and and I, that definitely helped. Yeah, definitely. I, I feel that it boosts my confidence as well in, like, social settings, because I feel like I actually have ideas that i can contribute you know right, like, I, right i feel i'm a more of a conversationalist now yeah yeah definitely same here and, and i have been historically like a ridiculously quiet person i mean you know mm -hmm. me i'm I, I like i'm very very cautious to like start conversations and that kind of thing or just kind of you know quite the right word is i, I just i tend to not take initiative to start conversations that kind of thing a lot of times because yeah. i feel like i don't have anything relevant to say mm. but uh, <laughs> i do think it has, it has kind of helped me get out of my shell a little bit and i probably talked more with you in the past year than i have <laughs> you know definitely when i was in like middle school or something like <laughs> maybe like all of middle school yeah, I've Jeez. talked on this podcast more than I talked in middle school. I don't know if that's true. Wow, <laughs> I, w I w wouldn't be surprised. Damn, yeah, that's that's a big change. <laughs> yeah, it's been interesting for me as well to observe, looking back over the past year, the ways in which I've changed as an individual. Maybe not even related to the podcast, but seeing the ways that that is reflected in the podcast and things we talk about in stances I might take, but. I think a lot of the things it's interesting as well to see the way they don't bleed through 
Mm-hmm. Well, well, some of them definitely. We did an episode about motivation and addiction where I started talking about how I I was doing the dopamine detox, which, you know, did, did, had I started that when we started the podcast? I feel like you had just started it maybe. Right. Yeah, it was in that same in the same area for sure. Yeah, because I remember editing the episodes and be like, "Thank God I have something to do." <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. yeah, yeah, you get a little dopamine hit every time you cut a region, or <laughs> uh, <laughs> or, or just like the hedonistic ah i'm looking at a screen right now everything is fine (laughs) the light warmeth (laughs) the the eternal sacred light (laughs) (laughs) totally um but then also my growing appreciation of the physical body and like wellness in general and uh and 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 as well mindfulness and wellness in in that regard as well i feel like i've grown much much more comfortable with those ideas and talking about those ideas and and inhabiting my own body and that's that's a thing that has immeasurable impact on my life and, and every part of it that's awesome yeah and i mean of of course there's got to be some some bleed through in like you know how confident i feel in my own body how uh energetic i feel and how i come through in the podcast even if even if it's not directly evident mm-hmm. oh uh wh- one one th- other thing i think i've definitely changed my mind on is I, our very first episode when we were talking about why art matters and that kind of thing mm. i think yeah if, if the, the past year of the pandemic has showed me one thing it's it's the value of art entertainment mm. you know how people mm-hmm. just just crave it, and how how drab life would be without it, and yeah, the, the value of local art, which of course I already knew at some level already, but I think it just made it very, very clear, you know. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I still feel, I still feel that nature is above and beyond anything that uh, people could ever make. <laughs> but on the other hand, I, I do see how making art as an individual even if it's not a masterpiece even if it's bad even if it's just you doing it for you and and maybe for your your friends or your community or whatever that's uh it can be a way of engaging with nature with any aspect of nature whether it's the you know natural beauty painting landscapes or anything or just like in a more abstract sense engaging with those fundamental forces that shape existence in this world i think that is just a valuable way to to engage with those forces to engage with that natural world Mm. yeah yeah i I take your point about about nature kind of sweeping all human competition away in terms of you know (laughs) visual art but i I think we we kind of said the same thing i kind of said this a similar thing on our first episode where i said sure and visual visual art imagery i think that's maybe true but in terms of music i mean nature has nothing Mm. that even approaches human music you know like bird bird song crickets (laughs) waterfalls i mean waterfalls you know it's an amazing sound but it doesn't have anything of like the complexity of of human music you know whale whale songs uh, there's Mm. there's examples but they're they're they all, they all they all kind of pale in comparison to to human music i think yeah that's a really interesting idea and i think there's 
maybe something to that. Although I will say, if you've ever heard a grackle or like a whole tree full of grackles, holy shit, yep. what a sound. <laughs> yeah. What oh, a I, sound. I, I live in Austin. I've definitely heard that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Call that micro polyphony, I think. <laughs> or just like, you know, one and you, and you get like all the FM synthesis in a really <laughs> complex way. It's just fantastic. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Every, every time I hear a grackle, I'm reminded that Texas like used to be Mexico. Like it's basically Central America. We mm. just, we don't really think about it that way because it's part of the U.S. But like that, it sounds like a tropical bird. Like it sounds like some crazy bird you would you would hear in a rainforest i think you know totally but yeah no that's a that's a really interesting idea and thanks for reminding me about that that the human music is a frontier in which we have something to offer beyond what nature can mm-hmm. well we tied it back to our very first episode for the <laughs> wow oh, what a trip yeah